Hey listeners, this is one of your hosts, Kevin. Join us for our new podcast where we discuss the weird, the bizarre, and the odd that were on primetime television. In our new podcast, Primetime Oddities, you can listen to the first episode in our Star Trek We Trust feed. New episodes coming at you very soon. Welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. This is part one of our Star Trek Picard season one discussion. And if you are a listener, please consider rating us or leaving a comment, as that will help to spread the word about the show. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined as always by... You're joined by Kevin on the interwebs. A series of twos bringing our voices and images to each other and to your ears. This is our uh, this is our quarantine episode. Yeah, but we're not in quarantine. We don't have it, so we're technically not in quarantine. True. True. Do you know where the word quarantine comes? This is our social quarantine. Do I know what? Right. Do you know where the word quarantine comes from? I don't. Tell me, Mr. English teacher. It's from the Italian for forty, because, and it was more of a. Um, it more came from religious things, but, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus in the desert, like that was your separating yourself for 40 days was the time of a quarantine, so they called it quarantine. Quarante, I think is the word. Interesting. So now you know. Now you know. Yeah. Learn something and we all here. know yep. that Latin more so, but... Italian Latin shows up a lot in Star Trek, which is what it we're does. talking about today. It does. The season finale was Latin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we did not record an episode for this last week because we were recording our other podcast last week. But also we wanted to um, let a little bit of time pass to let yes. and and we and within that time we actually went back and rewatched all ten episodes to kind of give a much more so we can give a much more. Um, proper analysis. I think when we did the seasonal wrap-up for Discovery, we had waited I think we waited like almost a month or something like that, and we didn't even consider doing one that way, and then we were just like, oh, let's just do a seasonal wrap-up, and so... Yeah, um, and it wound up being a good way to think... It ended up being a good thing. I mean, we did a lot of complaining, but... uh, Yeah, well, that was the the nature of what we had witnessed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think it's good to do this because we tend to... When we're in the heat of the season, right, we're trying to think, oh, what's going to happen and guess yeah. and speculate, which is really fun. Right. Well, so now we have to look at it as a whole story. We also, But we also didn't go back and rewatch season two of Discovery. And in this case, we actually made a conscious effort to go back and watch Picard again. I mean, there were only 10 episodes, so it wasn't going to take very long. Right. And given the fact that we're stuck in the house, respectively, you know, granted, we have a little bit more time to go back and do that, so... And maybe we didn't fully want to watch season two again. Up to a point. <clears throat> so, yes. um, so first things first. We're, we've reached the end. Isn't it amazing? It is. Not so long ago, we were just couldn't wait for it to start. And it went by pretty quickly, I think. Really did. Yeah. Well, moderately quickly. I mean, it didn't seem like it flew by, but. Um, yeah, it's hard to believe it's actually over now. Yeah. You know what I think is great? Mm. Just noticing is, you remember when there would be broadcast shows and there would always be those breaks in the in the broadcasting? Yeah. You would get like a week or two off here and there for a holiday or something? Yeah. Boy, I'm glad we don't have to deal with those anymore. Well, we had that in season one of Discovery. Remember that? Right. Yeah. But that was, yeah, they were kind of splitting it in two. Yeah. Well, I think they. I think what had happened was they had production on the show would run a little bit longer. Or they had like started late or something like that, and they just. I think they were just 
kept using it as a way to kind of catch up on potentially post-production. I don't know, but yeah, there was that. But it wasn't a very long break. I remember it only being like a month. Yeah. You don't know what the worst was. Back when, uh, with some friends, who used to watch the X-Files every week. Oh, and yep. We would watch it, and we wouldn't know until it started if it was a rerun or not. And we would see it was a rerun. Ah, it's a rerun. Oh, man. The... I can relate to that because the biggest offender for me with that was when uh, Lost, when I was watching Lost, and that show was notorious for doing that um, in the in the second season, and you would sometimes go and Lost was a continuing story. I don't know if X Files was kind of self contained, right, or was it a continuing? It was a story? hybrid. I always think of X Files as the the in between because. Yeah. They had an overarching story, but you would still get problem of the week episodes, and then right. you would get kind of big picture episodes. And Lost, I mean, as you recall, because I know that you watched that show too. I mean, that was a very that was very heavy on the uh, story on the story arcs, and so that show would sometimes go weeks and weeks and weeks without a uh, new episode, and they would sometimes squeeze a new episode in in the middle of like four <laughs> weeks of reruns, and here's a, here's a new one, and then three more oh weeks. My God. That seems like a bad way to run things. But I, I actually fell victim to the same thing you did because I didn't. I was obsessed with the show back then, but I didn't know it that well yet. So there were moments where, uh, a, 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 what I thought was a new episode beginning, and about fifteen minutes in, I was like, "Wait a minute, this is a first season episode. What the fuck?" Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully, those days are long gone. Yeah, and then I remember everyone had raised a big issue about it. And I think even the writers did, and they ended up uh, like delaying the show's return for the fourth season. And then, and when when it came back, they just would go straight through. I think that's when a lot of television started doing similar things. They would just start at a certain point and then just go straight through. Um. Anyway, but enough of that tangent. We're here to yeah. talk about Picard. Yes. <clears throat> so I think. Um... How do you want to begin? You want to start with just how we're feeling about it overall? So that's what we, that's what we normally do. So overall, I'm feeling good. Um, it hasn't it hasn't changed much since when we um, talked about the season finale two weeks ago. Um, I definitely have some questions about things that had happened. I I, I, I think it's I think the I think the season left a lot of things open ended. But um, I'm not feeling um, I'm not feeling uh, how do I put this? I'm not feeling disappointed. I don't feel like nothing to me comes off as if the storyline wasn't properly planned. I think it all it had a had a beginning, a middle, and a conclusion. I don't feel like anything is really kind of um, I can't think of a way to put this. I think maybe the idea that it all make, it all makes sense and it was Thank enjoyable. It, it all ma- it all makes sense. Which that was, was a terrible a way of me. It was a terrible way of me to getting to that point. But yes, <laughs> yes. that was a, yes, and you know I'm not good at articulating myself. Bring season two of Discovery into it, but we felt very much like it didn't make sense at the end. Right, and I think I talked about this as the season was progressing. There was never a point where I felt as if we've only got a few episodes left. Are they going to be able to do this? Never had that feeling. Not once. Yes, me, me neither. <clears throat> I, I think I definitely, first off, I think each episode mm-hmm. was very satisfying in that it would give you some answers or progress the main mystery or main plot, and then it would bring up something else. So I always felt like I got my time's worth from watching, you know? I think it was also, it wasn't a very overly complicated plot. No, I feel like they were adding too much to it. I mean, the way I I was looking at it in the beginning Mm -hmm. was, um, it was kind of like the way you, you, you were describing the Mandalorian to me. You were saying that there isn't much to it, oh, and right. and that's a and that's a good thing. And I was yeah. getting the same sense with Picard. Like 
yes, it had layers to it, but it wasn't, they weren't overly complicated. You had, you know, you had Picard's story, you had the synth story, you had um, sort of the crew So you really had like three things sort of going at once, but each one got its, got different levels of attention each week. Yeah, and, and I, I think also... It felt very balanced. It was very balanced. That's the word I want to use. It was very balanced, I thought. Yes, and I think it was well-managed, so it might seem yeah. like it wasn't as much, because there's way more going on in this than The Mandalorian. There's way more going on, but it also felt like it was it was better planned, um, better than... Discovery. Um, it was properly planned out, I thought, from beginning yeah. to end. Yes, there was no... Yes guesswork and they clearly didn't change directions midway or anything like there that. was no changing of directions as we heard they did in discovery yeah. so there was none of that um yeah this was they just they wrote it they they devised the plot they stuck to it i'm mm-hmm. sure they left enough room to add other things to it but um overall no they didn't it it i never got the sense that they were deviating they just they had this story and they stuck with it right up until the end Yes, and I, I have to say, I felt very satisfied yeah. after watching each episode, after watching the whole thing, and even some things toward the end that I didn't fully think were the best uh, choices, I sort of had faith, like, they had won me over, the writers and the creators, that I, I was able to roll with it. Well, you're also a fan of Michael Shabon anyway, correct? Uh Yeah. I mean, I really like the book Cavalier and Clay. So you you always felt like you were in good hands anyway, even before the show was... Yeah, so Cavalier and Clay, and then another yeah. show called you know, Unbelievable, I think it was called. Yep. This other show that he wrote some episodes for yep. that I watched. That well, was... he also wrote that short track Q&A, which I thought was really good. Yes, and he wrote that New Yorker article about his father in Star Trek, which was really great. So yeah, I was very excited knowing that here's a someone that's a novelist and a well-respected writer and a... Pulitzer Prize winner, maybe? Or one of the prize so, yeah. winners? I believe so, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, what I was really just... I think we, I got what I hoped that that would bring, which was just a cohesive, solid story. Yeah. With yeah. some real... Um, yeah. So, one of, the things, one of the things I wanted to bring up, because I don't think we really touched upon this throughout the season. Uh, so, what are your thoughts now that the season has ended? How do you feel about the supporting cast of the show. I mean, clearly it's a show about Picard, hence the name, but, and Patrick Stewart's the main actor, but what was worrying me when the show, before the show began was I wanted to be sure that Patrick Stewart was not, even though he's clearly the lead, we know what a great actor he is. I wanted to be, I was really hopeful that he had a good role. He had a good supporting cast around him. I just didn't want there to be, you know, some, I don't want to say second-rate actors, but like actors who are just there for him to bounce lines off of and sort of really point out what a good performer he is. Right. Um, or, or even worse, characters that right. were just there for his character to interact with, and that was it. That didn't have motivations right. of their own, goals yes. of their own, things like that. And I didn't get that sense because I thought that he was... I actually think that Patrick Stewart was had a very good supporting cast with him, and I think that the one who, I mean, I think people, I think a fair amount of people will agree because she's getting a lot of um, love for this. But I think the one who really kind of stole the show in a lot of ways was um, Michelle Hurd, who plays Raffi. I think she, she for for me, is one of the best things about this show. Oh yeah, great! And you know, anyone from Law and Order SVU gets. Uh... Automatic. Yeah, her and my other fa- and my other favorite, who seems to be tons of people's favorites, I forget the I don't know the actress's name offhand, but the one who played um Laris, his Romulan roommate, she was fantastic. Oh yeah, she was good. I loved her, the two of them. I loved the two of them so much, and I really did. I was and sad I, that we couldn't see that them again. They were but... able to be such a small part, right? Um, and I think Allison Pill was great as Doctor Gerardi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think, right. like I said, she was a very interesting character. She, she was, was all right. Not... I, mean, I think I think my issue, my only sort of issue with her was she's she's still playing, she's playing the type of character that she normally plays on other shows, which is the sweet yet deceptive 
murderer. Oh. She, I guess I she, haven't never seen her in other things except yeah, for. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, she plays that kind of role often. Okay. Granted, I didn't know that. Granted, I didn't know that until after I started watching the show. I didn't know that. So. Yeah. But. I think it's. I think it's partially not her fault. It's her face. I, yeah. She yeah. looks. Has a very like. Yeah. Childlike face, I guess. So it was like a certain innocence to it. And and, so, and again, he, that was my worry because I think. Patrick Stewart, he was fantastic on Next Generation, but he wasn't well known to the to American audiences much back then, right? Not since that show went off the air and he, you know, he was becoming far more well known in the U.S., starring in other films, doing a lot of stage, everything like yeah. that. So, and people began to gravitate. Do you know how many people I know who gravitate, who have gravitated toward Next Gener, just Next Generation, just yes. because they love Patrick it's, Stewart? Yeah. It's got some, like, street cred or something. It does. It does. Like, yeah. I, I've known so many people over the last, like, five, six, seven years who are not huge Trek fans, yet they gravitate toward Next Generation because they just love, love, love Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And it's sort of like the 80s and 90s nostalgia happening Yeah. in the culture broadly also, so it might be partially that as well. And so my fear was going into the show because Patrick Stewart now has such a great body of work. I mean, he granted he's always had a good body of work, but like he's such a well-known performer now. He's he's just he's one of our greatest performers today. I was afraid that he was not going to have a supporting cast that was sort of that would be able to be as good as he is and. I think just to, I think all of them um, complement his performance really, really well. Yeah, this, there's a question I have that I don't know if we, you can answer. Or we can answer, but yeah. what is Patrick Stewart exactly known for now? Are there any particular roles that were popular aside from this? Because I know he's known and respected. He's Sir Patrick Stewart, and he does Shakespeare. I don't know that a lot of people watch Shakespeare. Um, I mean, I would say how is he so well known except for American Dad? The time I noticed it was when he got when he was when he became Professor X. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. The time that I noticed <laughs> when he was really beginning to become well known outside of Trek to people who did not watch Trek was um, X Men. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so, and I just and I would just always hear people say like, "I love Patrick Stewart. He's so great," and it was just. It was interesting to me that that was happening. I mean, I never really, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, but I was like, yeah. wow, I, I had no idea that he was so well, he was so well loved outside. He was so well known outside yeah. of, um, outside of Star Trek. So well, he does yeah. have the kind of voice that's, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a tired cliche and no one uses phone books anymore, but the old saying is you could listen to them, read the phone book and enjoy it. Just because yeah, their voice right. is so great, and he right. has one of those. And and I should be clear, like I'm not saying that he, you know, shouldn't have been well known outside of Trek. He just he hadn't he hadn't kind of penetrated that pop culture zeitgeist really outside of Trek at that point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that's great because one of the things that I did want to talk about was the supporting cast. Mm. Not the cast, but the characters. Supporting cast of characters, so to speak. Right. Because, um, you know, it's something that when we were talking about Discovery, I think it was most hit us when Arium, the episode that we got to know Arium, was also the episode that she died. Yes. And we were very disappointed because we thought she was very cool looking, and then we got to the character, it was very interesting, and then end of the episode, she's dead. So I think um, what this show did well is every character had their own situation that they were dealing with. Yep. So no one was there just to be the, you know, they weren't the just, form. they weren't the per- just help Picard along his way. Yeah. They weren't just there to kind of, I think I kind of, I, I was trying to articulate, but like they weren't just there to kind of bounce lines off of Patrick Stewart and really kind of point out how good he is or like use it as a way to kind of advance oh, what right. Jean Luc is trying to do. They all had, they all had a reason for going. They all had a role in this story as well. 
Yeah, and like you mentioned with Rafi, I mean, Rafi, the performance that she gave was great because, you know, that was a not a performance that you would get from most Star Trek. You don't right, have something like, junky. I think the thing with Rafi was... all these emotional problems. I think the thing with Rafi was that the way... Like, with a lot of these performances, I, I'm very curious as to how much of it is the character and how much of it is the performer. Well, in other words, like... That's good. Let's look at each one. Yeah. So, like, let's, so ra- let me start with Rafi, if I may. Sure. Michelle Hurd is, I think, so good playing that character. There's something very comforting about her, despite the baggage that her character brings to the storyline. Mm-hmm. And we see it's we see a ton of it in Stardust City Rag when she's, you know, wants to be reunited with her son. But yet, so there's something very comforting about her. I mean, there's, it's the, I can't remember if it's the episode right after that, where she's trying to console Girardi, Girardi. And mm-hmm. her line to her is, um, I forget the exact line, but she says something to the effect of, let Auntie Raffi help you. Yeah. And I thought to myself, yeah, like that's the sense that I get from you. You're just this very... Mm-hmm. Like if I'm in trouble and I need somebody to calm me down, I yeah. would feel totally fine talking yeah. to Rafi. And it's interesting too because she cannot do that for herself. Her own life is a mess, but she can Correct. do it for other people. Correct. Yes. And that says a lot about her character. Yeah. So I think she's super interesting because we start off and she's living in a drug trailer out in the desert. Yeah. She doesn't want to help Picard. Yep. Then she finally does, and we see that she has her own kind of mission that she's running. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it, honestly, I'd forgotten about the failed reconciliation with her son, yes. which was fantastic. Yeah, and it's I think it's also fantastic that it, the son wasn't having it. That's not usually no, yeah. happens in these these type of um, characters, you know. And it's it's devastating to watch. Yes. I'm I'm hoping that at some point there's resolution there. Uh, I, I also like it that she's devastated by it. And then so then she turns to, well, you know what? All right. I can't fix the past of my life, but yeah. I can fix the future. And now I'm going to, you know, full, wholeheartedly right. join that mission with, with Picard and try to help. So, I mean, that's a pretty great character arc for someone. Right. Um. Yeah, I thought she that was fantastic. Uh, another one, Rios. Rios yeah, seemed like Rios. he was the most one-dimensional character, which is interesting to call him one-dimensional since he plays about well, seven different people. So Rios was the one, if you recall, he was the one that I was worried about the most because I I I didn't want him to be that kind of Han Solo. That, that, like, 99-cent store Han Solo. Yes. We found out that that was sort of an act. Right, but I was... I, I was afraid that it was getting to that when we... Because when we first meet him, I thought, here we go. This is it. You know, he's sitting there, he's got the piece of shrapnel in his arm, he's yeah, got yeah. a shirt off, I think, and he's smoking a cigar, and he's, like, the bad boy, and I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then we find out so much more depth to it to his character and what he went through with his former captain. Right. Um, his captain had died and that's sort of all we know. And now he's this mercenary ship captain. But I still think there's more to be told there. Like, I want to know, okay. I want to know more about that. Right. Well, we got a lot about his yeah. situation with his captain and how his captain, he lost faith in his captain and he felt guilt because his captain essentially had him, what he thought was cover up the murder of people. And it was, murder of synths. Right. And then he had to watch his captain die. Mm-hmm. And so he's resisting liking Picard because he doesn't want to be in that situation to to devote himself to a captain. Right. And then have them um you know either die or uh betray him in some way. But I'm also very interested in the relationship that he has with Rafi. Because the two of them clearly have some kind of a past she knows oh, him. Good point. yeah um that's how picard or she gave him 
She sent Picard to him. Right. So And we know Rafi and Picard's past, but it seems like Rios has a similar one because I remember in the beginning when he says, um, I don't disagree with Rafi. And I should never argue with Rafi. And Picard says, like, that's a wise choice, my friend. So they both have had sort right. of similar relationships with her. Yeah. We get it. We get a better sense of Rafi and Picard's relationship in the comics, the prequel comics. But I'm, I want to know what's going on with Rios. I'd like to know a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Picard's two roommates. Yeah, even they had a backstory that was Laris and I'm sorry I forget his name. But um Yeah, I I, I like them a lot. I mean and the, even as actors they were really, really good. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad they were used sparingly, honestly. I mean, I think it would have been difficult, I think, to fit them into the overall story because I think you would have had to juggle too many characters at that point. Yeah, unless you lost role. Elnor. It's like unless you role. lost Elnor and had them instead, that would have worked. Yeah, but at the same time, like, even if they did come along, you know, would they have necessarily replaced Elnor, or would they have been there in a different capacity? I don't think story-wise, it would have made sense. Because you're because also. Three Romulans on there. That would be cool. well. Because also consider if you talk about if you if you mention replacing Elmo with them, but you're replacing one character with two, so yeah. you're still now plus one character, right? Well, yeah, but um, they can fight, but they can't fight like Elmo. But the thing about them is, I felt like they added a little bit of um, they added some real. So they were in the first three episodes when mm-hmm. he was still on Earth. I felt like they added some real levity. To Picard. Yeah, like they, uh, in the relationship, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's, you, you, there was this deep, trusting relationship that they had with him, and I think that when you, when the show began, and it started with Picard on the vineyard and getting to know, I mean, really getting to know Picard again, but also getting to know them. Right off the bat, that's when I kind of felt like this is going to be a very different show. This is going to be a very deep, very character-driven show. I love when he says to Picard, be the captain that they remember. Yes. Um, There was just something about that line. I mean, I know it has sort of like that real-world definition behind it, too. Mm -hmm. But... They just had such great moments together. Just, mm. I loved all of their scenes together. They were just very these just dramatic scenes together. Yeah. I think also really, something really did well that is you know Star Trek doesn't always do well, but it just showed the diversity of a type of people. So the Romulans, right? Right. A lot of times in Star Trek, you're right. We get an entire race of aliens is one thing. Right. All Romulans are devious and backstabbing. Exactly. All yes. Vulcans are just purely logical. So this was good in that, you know, here's two that they appreciate Picard and they respect him and they love what he did and they they want to, you know, help him in return. Yeah. And then you have other Romulans who want to kill him for what he did. So I think it's um, well, I think, in that way, just I diversifying mean, the views of Romulans. You raise a good point because I feel like they almost, in a way break the stereotype of Romulans. To your point, all Romulans are, up to this point, it was like, for the most part, all Romulans were devious. They were all sneaky. They were difficult to deal with and that sort of thing. And they kind of break all of that. And you just, you like them instantly. And I think, kind of like Rafi, there was something very comforting about the two of them that I just really, really liked. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, La- Laris, to me, I do always describe her as like she's like the really cool. She's the really cool aunt that we all like. Yeah, I miss, I miss Aunt Laris and Aunt Rafi too, but yeah. Yep. Um, then we've got Doctor Gerardi. Yep. We start off. She's the leading um, artificial intelligence um, expert on Earth. Maybe in the maybe beyond Earth. Um, she's willing to help Picard because of her connection to Maddox that she worked with him. Um, but then she gets, she sees the admonition and then she's willing to kill her former mentor and lover. Um, 
Now, it's interesting because when the show began, I actually yeah. thought that... I remember describing Gerardi as... She seems like Picard's version of Tilly in some ways. Yeah, but here's the thing. So Not even the case at all. Not Tilly and way better than Tilly. Tilly is a one-dimensional character. The only uh, other I'll say yes and no. I'll say yes and no. I'll give you the other dimension that she has when they have a dance party. We were surprised that she got one to like boogie boogie boogie. That was it. <laughs> um, well, let me just okay, let me finish my thought though. So you get Tilly. She's like the nerd. She's mousy, hmm. right? But she has all those other what I will call stereotypical characteristics that go along with that. Like she is sort of repressed a little bit. Yeah. She is awkward. Yep. Um, nervous all the time. And then you've got Girardi. Well, I think Girardi fell into those buckets, at least in the beginning. Well, a little bit, but she also seduces Rios, basically, because she's upset and she wants to use sex to forget how upset she is. I mean, that's right. a very... But that's why I say at the beginning. Yeah. Because beginning. it ended up... all Everything I thought that she was going to be went mm -hmm. right out the window, like... Four episodes in. Yes. Yeah. And she definitely was a part of her, but she has way more dimension than... Yeah. I mean, which is why I say she's multidimensional. I thought she was going to be the comic relief. And then Still. that kind <laughs> of went over to... Even though she sort of was, but that kind of went over to Elnor. Yes, which I wish had been I was used not expecting. more with Elnor. I thought Elnor was very funny. I wish I had seen more of that. But what did you think of... I mean, did you like Girardi's arc going into the, you know, all, did you like the arc that she had this season? Sort of. So then after she killed, because after she kills um, Maddox, yeah. then she takes a very selfish, um, like, position in all this. Because in, she says, when after they're fleeing in the, the ship, or fleeing the Borg cube, mm. um, she said they don't they don't want us. They only want her, meaning Soji. Like just tell them that they can go and kill her. And we're gonna we they, we just want to go home. Like she's also then very very selfish. So it's like it's interesting. The only complaint I have is that I never really got to see what it was that brought her over to Picard's side. Right. It almost seemed like something happened off screen that I didn't get to see. And. This kind of feeds into one of the questions I have for the conclusion of the season. She kills Maddox, right? I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the season, I mean, is she going? Is she clear of that? Is she going to turn herself in? I mean, I feel like it's kind of implied that she's going to deal with it. But even then, it's... Yeah, felt a I mean, little the slept under the to me, but yeah, they're in a part of space where there is no law, right? Although, although they did just make diplomatic connection with Starfleet, so maybe there would be. But I think yeah. she could. If I, I think with a good lawyer, she could get off on temporary insanity based on the mind meld with Commander Commodore O. Yeah, that's one of those things that was kind of, even though the answer wasn't explicitly stated. It was kind of the pieces were there for you to kind of put it together yourself and say, okay, it's probably because of this that she's going to get off. Um, yeah, I would think so. One thing that I noticed about her in my rewatch, and this mm -hmm. feeds into a point I want to talk about later, is that now that I've seen the full season. Right, and you know what she knows when she knows it. Right, so like you've seen how this story plays out, and now when you go back and rewatch it knowing how things are going to turn out you're you notice little seeds planted that you didn't realize were seeds initially and where i'm going with this is when um when picard goes to see her at the daystrom institute when he's describing i think he's describing he, he's talking about dodge obviously but there's a moment where the camera focuses on her and her eyes kind of like she kind of looks away. She kind of looks down and she's like thinking about, she's thinking about it because at the time it's kind of, 
we're not at the time of that episode when we're first seeing it, you don't know that she knows about them because you don't right. know that she's that she's was in a relationship with Maddox. So there's a moment where Picard is talking about Dodge and she has and Gerardi has this look on her face of almost like like she knows what he's talking about. She knows who Dodge and Soji are and she's almost like remembering. And I'm just looking at this I'm going, "Oh my god, like she knows exactly what he's talking about. She's just not telling him that." Yes, yes. And I think also later when um we think she's super nervous because she has to beam them out of the casino place. Yeah. We think she's nervous about that, but really we know she's nervous about she has to kill Maddox once he comes on board. Yep. Um, yeah. And also later when they're going to the Borg Cube, someone makes a comment like, Gerardi, you seem disappointed that we're not bringing you over to the Borg Cube. Because mm-hmm. she probably then thought, okay, now the next part of my mission is I'm going to have to kill Soji or something like that. Yep. So yeah. it was interesting yeah. because at that point we didn't know what she knew. So it was, yeah, and, and think about it. Like, us as viewers... We, they had us totally fooled. We had no. I don't think we had any reason to suspect that because the character is written to be at least at that point this awkward person, and you just thought, oh, she's just awkward and she can't doesn't want to do this because she's too scared to do it. She's just too nervous. And I think it was great that we saw her kill Maddox, and that's when we knew, okay, something that's else. That's when was we going. knew. That's when we knew but that she was real. They even left us hanging. I think it took a whole one whole episode before we then got the Commodore O revealed. Yeah, no, that was... I think it was great. Yeah, because Commodore O reveals herself to O, or uh, to Gerardi, I think, in the third episode, and we don't find out what that conversation was about until about three or four episodes later. I mean, I remember us... We were always curious what that conversation was. Yes. And we knew, like, okay, well, we're going to find out at some point. Mm-hmm. But we always knew in the back of our minds, like, that's still a conversation that needs to be, that's still a moment that needs to be revealed to us. Mm-hmm. And, but I thought um, it, was so, it was so well-timed. But the thing is, like, for me, it mm-hmm. when she killed Maddox, mm-hmm. it never even occurred to me that that could have been the result of that conversation that she had with O. Mm-hmm. Even though, going back and watching it, it's obvious that O needs to do something about Picard and Maddox, but it just, it never even entered my oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. It I never even entered my mind that that could have been why. When it happened, I did remember that they said it's the, because it's the knowledge that drives you insane. It was the only time that the admonition had been mentioned by that point. Right. I remember thinking that, like, well, that must be what it is. Right. But I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. N- never even occurred to me that that could have been why she killed Maddox. Yes. Yeah. So. so then, after all that, she um, she sort of then she's it. finally willing to admit what she had done, and then commit herself to you know Picard and Soji in a very selfless way. Yeah. After being so selfish, so like I said, I wish I had seen that transition, but uh, I guess if I had to just mm, figure out what it would be, probably seeing. Maddox and her also, because she sort of was part of the creation of Do- Soji and Dodge and everyone else. That seeing the creation probably made her realize, like, look, this thing that I've had a part of, I'm really going to destroy these lives that are, you know, something like that. I, I would have liked to have heard it from her, but I think it makes enough sense. Mm. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it, and the thought never even entered my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um, another character, I think, gets a great arc. Oh, Seven of Nine. Yep. So, right, we, I mean, we, we were afraid, right, that Seven of Nine would just be there to um, stoke the strings of nostalgia. Or pluck the strings of nostalgia. But we find out, right, yeah. we know she's moved, she's moved past her Borg identity. She's mm-hmm. a Fenris Ranger. She's sort of a... Um, vigilante in the universe. Um, she was totally traumatized by Echeb's murder um, by Jazel. And we get a great revenge arc there where she's willing to betray Picard to get revenge for that. So that was a nice, um, you know, that was cool. 
then, but then she's so committed to helping Picard, even though she's so fully turned her back on her Borg identity, she's willing to plug back into the Borg cube to help them. Yeah. So totally selfless. Yep. Um, so it goes back to her question earlier at the killing where she says, um, you know, there's no place, Picard thinks there's a place for mercy, but I don't. And she, she wants to know if Picard has regained his humanity fully because she thinks she hasn't. You know, so she gets sort of in work of thinking that she's hopeless, but then... I love that moment when her and Picard have that discussion. Do you feel like you've regained your humanity? Yeah, I I love that moment between the two of them. Me too, but the only thing is that we've seen no evidence in Picard that he hasn't. Yeah, that that was the only thing that felt like it was maybe, you could say, slightly out of place. Yeah, it wasn't Unless like after Picard keep keeping it down. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like after Picard was assimilated, it wasn't like he struggled with it for the you know for the remaining four seasons of the show and four films, right? No. Yeah. Other than other than his supreme, you know, sometimes illogical hatred of the Borg. But <laughs> what? But what? Nevertheless, though, I think what's cool about it is Picard could not have a conversation like that with anybody else. Like, Seven of Nine's the only person. Maybe Hugh. But it wouldn't have meant anything if we we had it with Hugh. We don't know Hugh, like we know Seven. Yeah. And that's something that the two of them have in common. the, the, The big difference is that Seven spent her entire childhood into adulthood with the Borg. Picard was only with them for like 10 days. Right. But nevertheless, it was, I loved seeing that moment between the two of them. Yeah. And, and to quote Picard, she was assimilated when she was just a jeune fille. Right. That was I, I, but I would like to know more about uh, their past because it, they obviously know each other. Yeah. But I wonder if, they, I wonder if they do because you remember that someone later, oh, Rafi, when she was trying to convince um, her friend to give Picard the diplomatic credentials, mm. he said, like, oh, he, you know, Picard is Starfleet. He's probably still in the damn brochure. Yes. So it could just be that, like, everyone knows Yeah, who I mean, Picard it could be. They, they could but just know each other by name recognition, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but it did seem more personal between them. Right, because she beams aboard, he says, Seven of Nine, and she says, you owe me a ship, Picard. Yeah, that and sounds then, like a, yeah. yeah that, it seemed like, it know, sounded like they knew each other already. Yeah, maybe we'll get a comic one day. I, yeah, or a I line of dialogue, that's that's fine too. Yep, yep. Um, selfish, no place for mercy. Yeah. And then the other one that has a good story, um, backstory and whatnot, it's a little bit less, but it's Elnor. Elnor. Yep. Yeah. You see, Elnor's a young boy. He's an orphan. He's being raised by these warrior nun ladies. Um, Picard is the father figure, and then yep. he leaves them and disappears. Yep. And then when he comes back, he's he feels like he's been abandoned. He's not really willing to help him, but then he does. Um, I'm I'm well done. So Elnor is another example of what I was afraid of. With Rios, I thought Elnor was going to be some. I was afraid Elnor was going to be some stereotypical type of character, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. I'm so I'm so glad the show did not live up to my fears yes. with a lot of these things. Yeah, because like he's a warrior, he's the badass, but he's also yes. the most decent one. Right, he's space Legolas. Like that's what I didn't. I didn't want him to be space Legolas. Yeah, no, he's not. Like, he um, he can battle like Legolas. But right. he's like, he's like um, E.T. Otherwise, like he doesn't, I don't know, he's why the hell it But he e. ended up, surprising to me, he ended up being, specifically in Stardust City Rag, he ended up being the comic relief of the whole thing. Yes. Which, sort of a fish I out was of not expecting. But his whole reason, his whole time there is, with them is fish out of water, because he only knows... Right. What he knows being on that planet. Yeah. Everything. 
And that's why I think it's so great. Is fish out of water. I mean, I love fish out of water humor. I think it's really. It was funny. obvious when in Stardust City Rag, when they arrive at Free Cloud and those holograms, those advertising holograms are showing up on the ship. And he doesn't even know what to think because, and then as soon as they all go away, he's just like, I didn't get one. Like, there was just something about that that I just found really funny. And I'm like, okay, this is who that character, this is who he's going to be. He's yes. going to be the fish out of water. Like, he's good at that one thing. The thing that he's good at, he's great at, he excels at. Yes. Everything else, probably not, because he's not yeah. going to be, he's not going to know how to do it. And especially because he was raised in absolute candor. Yes. Um, when he's, um, when he's, the, when they're preparing their disguises and their false identities, they said, ooh, we're, we are lying, aren't we? Yes. And then midway and, uh, into the tense conversation, he looks over to Picard and says, are we still pretending? Yes. <laughs> no, Elnor, we're not still pretending. Yeah, and of course he wouldn't know how to do that because... Um, but, like, he, he's uh, not recognizing the issue because he doesn't know. Also, I like that Elnor, he has some independence as a character also because... He winds up um, devoting himself after to um, Hugh, sort of. Yes. He hooks up with Seven of Nine, and then he's mm-hmm. rolling on that adventure. Like he's, it, it's great that he's very capable, but he's also very innocent. Yes. It's really a neat mix. That's yeah, that's a good way of putting it. He's very capable, but also very innocent. Yes, and I think he has a crush on Seven. Yeah. Because there's he's... a point when every time they mention a Borg, he'll just pop up and say, "You mean like Seven of Nine? He seems very excited. Well, even in the uh, even in the finale, when she talks about how she's considered killing herself, and he didn't want her to, and he's like, "Because I'd miss you." Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's pretty cool too. Yeah, there's something very um, yeah, there's something very endearing about him. I think very much so. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to ship them. Yes. The young folks say. Um, and then I'd say if anything though I think he maybe was a little bit underused that's all yeah he kind of got I feel like he got a little sidelined midway in but um I yeah I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him yeah but that's a super minor critique it's a super minor critique yeah, and if the critique is we like the character so much we wanted to see more, that's a pretty good critique. Yeah, it didn't hinder anything. It didn't make the show less enjoyable. No, yeah. not at all. So, not at all. Um, any other of the supporting characters that you think are worth discussing? No. Okay, so after going through that, um, like, how long did we spend talking about the the supporting characters? Would you say? Just now, about forty-five minutes. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, want to beat it, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but do you think we would be able to do that on Discovery? Forty-five minutes on the supporting characters. I don't think we could. No, because I think that that show still has not given us enough of them. Yeah, we know Tilly, sort of. We definitely know. I guess Stamets got the most, along with his partner. Well, Saru got some too. Saruga, Saruga some, yep. yes. Yep. Um, but, like, the new characters they bring in, you bring in Pike and you bring in Spock, who are not part of the show. Right. And they're they, sucking all the oxygen, obviously. They get more... And they're great. You know how much I love Captain Pike. Yeah. But they're getting more what screen... What about We don't know anything about they're getting Denver. more screen time than, the, than some of the supporting characters who've been there since season one. Yes. Um, I think that shows... Maybe they don't have much to do with those characters. And I mean, look, Discovery may be a show that just focuses more on a smaller group of characters, possibly. It yeah. may just focus on Burnham, uh, Stamets, Saru, and Culber, and Tilly, and maybe that's it. Yeah. I, I just hate, though, that, know. like, Arium was so Discovery interesting. Has a lot, Discovery has a lot of characters, though. Yeah. Yeah. Arium was super interesting and we lost her. I think Detmer would be maybe be super interesting. We've never gotten anything about Detmer except when she has to be like the girlfriend well, of Michael. So that's and that's part of the problem. 
because in the finale of discovery last season when the supporting characters were saying their goodbyes to their family members as they were getting ready to go to the future i remember saying i may have even said it in our wrap-up i said this scene means nothing to me because <laughs> i don't know these people yes aside from the only family member we've gotten to know aside from obviously spock and, and sarek uh is um the saru's sister well, right. Well, and I think, but also don't forget, I think the intention was to get to know them because if you recall in the first episode of the season, Pike goes around and asks them their name, names. Um, the navigator, um, Lieutenant Woshin, joins them when they go down to New Eden. And so yeah. we're like, oh, good. You know, we're actually getting... And she was good. Right. She was great. I remember and that. I thought, we were oh, you know, we're finally getting... Yeah. But, and then it sort of died yeah. off. But you have to consider also, here's another thing I think that just occurred to me. The people writing these characters are not the people that created them. Or, or, they just may not be good actors. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Maybe. They wrote scenes for them and they acted them so badly, they said, oh, never mind, they're terrible. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I... I the point yeah. is, I think that that show is meant to be more of a focus on uh, Burnham than the people around her. I, I think, think that's a mistake. Well, that's that to me seems like the intention of the first two seasons. Who knows now? I mean, now they're stuck out there together. Maybe they're going to get more screen time. I don't know. We'll discuss that when we get when we get there. But yeah, yeah. actually, you know what? The person that we got all the screen, the person that we actually got to know the most in that. Otherwise, it's probably who we wish we didn't, which is, um, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the Klingon human hybrid. Tyler. Thank you. Yeah. I forgot. He got a lot of, he got a lot about him, so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, don't need trash discovery because I just want back to say to that. You know, stay on topic. I really like. Coming in too fast. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. I, <laughs> I like the characters of, I really like the side characters. Picard is, Picard, is a, Picard is a smaller show with a, as, my, as, as Akiva Goldsman put it in the first episode of The Ready Room, first or second, whichever one he was on, Picard is more of a sci-fi drama. Yeah. And Discovery is more of a sci-fi action. Picard is written for, Picard is written for its characters. The first thing is are its characters and it just it, to me it feels like a smaller show it doesn't feel as big as discovery does okay i can see that yeah i think i think though if 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 it's supposed to be a sci-fi action then i think they're trying to do both in discovery and they're not really succeeding in both i mean you may be right no, because you think about all the all the stuff like the Spock and Michael and the, you know brother sister relationship and him leaving like that's all super drama. That's heavy drama. Yes, but do you feel that as drama? Do you feel it's really landing though? Because I, no, but here's maybe why. Because we get a little bit of that, but then we get you know a fist fight that lasts ten minutes, and maybe right. if they just change the balance a little bit. I mean, it had it, the show has had some decent character moments. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, no, totally. I that, agree. but that to me is not the focus of the show, and I right. think, and I think that's a mistake. Yes, because yeah, who cares about action if you don't care about the characters? It. I mean, it that moment where Pike sees his future is great. Yeah, that exactly. to me is exactly. one of the. You know, that moment in at the end of, we always talk about it, of New Eden, the, the, the moral dilemma, the moment where Pike tells Jacob the truth, that that was great. And I, it's like, yes, give me more of this. I yes. Give us more of this. You know, you've earned your Star Trek merit badge. Yeah. And if the show needs to strike a balance between doing good character drama and good action, I don't think that it's really succeeded in that. I think it tends to lean more on the action side of it. Picard also has both, but Picard leans more on the drama character side of it. 
as you always yeah. said, the action sequences on Picard are tastefully done. Yes, they're never never overly long. Right. They're never, and they right. and they have we Picard, care about discovery. We care about discovery. Like, go ahead. For instance, um, you know, it was interesting. I was watching Stardust City Rag, hmm. and you know, one of the critiques a lot was so all, all going to be pew pew, shoot them up, body body body, right? And we got very little of that. But one scene that we did get it was when Seven had the two um, phaser rifles. Yep. And she's walking through there, blowing people away. But look at all the character buildup to that to moment that, moment, that we yeah. got. Right. right. We saw the flashback of someone she considered her son being tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. We saw her um, choose to save her friends and maybe give up her chance at revenge. Right. So by the time she was doing that, we felt something about that moment. Even though it was a technically a pew pew shoot 'em up, right? It was so much deeper than that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think, I think Picard leans toward the. Again, I think Picard leans that way. Discovery leans the other way. And I realize they're two different shows. For Discovery, I think that's a mistake. And yes, for this, I think they're balancing it so so well. The shows are ba- but yeah, I I think. And remember we thought in the finale, the season finale of Picard, we saw that there was a battle brewing and we thought to ourselves, oh God, here we go. Yes. And then no. it actually didn't do it. They, yes. it was, and, and I thought that was, I thought that was great. I said, oh, you know, but it's yeah. like, look, if, if, but I also look at it this way. We've got these two shows now, right? Mm-hmm. In my mind, like, yes, I would like to see Discovery do a little bit more of what Picard is doing as far as character development goes. But if you Mm -hmm. have a need for a Star Trek show that focuses on drama and character development, then you've got it with Picard. You don't, all of the emphasis, all of it all doesn't have to be placed on Discovery now. It's almost like both shows, in a way, are being geared toward two different types of audiences. Hopefully. Um, but in a way, it's almost like it, now it's not all on Discovery because it's like everything you would want Discovery to be if you want character development. Okay, well, don't worry about it because now there's a Star Trek show that actually does that. That's true. Rather than just watch the show expecting something you're not going to get and being frustrated. Right. And, and, and I'll be honest, I think that's now, I think part of the problem was because for two years... Discovery was the only Trek show on the air. And so all of the expectations, all of the wants of all of the needs of these fans were being placed on Discovery. I want this. I want this. Why isn't the show doing this? So there was all this focus on complaining on what the show wasn't doing. Right. I want to see the future. I don't want to see the past. Right. So now, but now you have, I want to post nemesis show well now you've got it i want to show yeah, that a real post nemesis show not i mean obviously discovery is going to be post nemesis but it's right. going to be so far away it doesn't but like everything yeah. that you wanted discovery it seems to me anyway i mean i could be somewhat wrong here but all of the needs of the wants that the fans wanted in discovery they now are getting with picard so in a way it's kind of like it's almost like discovery is kind of off the hook now to kind of right. do whatever yeah, it wants <laughs> Because now, because now it's like, oh, now you've got this whole other show to hate on, so you can leave us alone. Cool. Well, I think that's a good place to end for the week. Uh, we'll be back next week, where we get into a much more in-depth analysis on the arc of the season itself, as well as um, Picard's journey through the season. Mm, and of course, data. And data. We did. We have yet data to discuss gets- data. Yeah. As little so, as we see of the real data, not the dream data, he gets quite the arc. Yes. So we'll be back then. Join us uh, on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. And uh, do you want to recap what you said at the beginning as far as ratings? I kind of leave that to you. Yes. Also, at our Twitter, let us know who your favorite supporting character is mm. and why. That would be really interesting to hear. Maybe we'll get that going on the Twitter. Yeah, um, maybe we will. Twitter so, and twi- yeah. Twitter, and we're also on again. We're also on uh, Instagram as well. 
We are on Instagram and at in Star Trek We Trust. We're on your favorite podcast listening service, which is where you should rate us if you're enjoying the show. Give us the rating that you think we deserve. We think we probably deserve as many stars as your particular service offers. But rate us or give us a review. You know, tell a friend, tell many friends. People are at home, most of them, I hope, and they don't have much to do. Yeah. They have more free time. They could be listening to us. And listen to our new podcast, Primetime Oddities. Yes, it, and that will give you, uh, will steer you in the direction of some odd television to watch if you have not already seen the shows. Yep. That First episode is in this feed. More episodes coming at you soon in its own feed. But cool. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>